Merry, Merry Christmas. Look at all the lovely folks out there today. So glad that you have joined us on December 22nd. Yay, we get to talk about Christmas today. And we get to talk about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we talk about that today, we're going to look at some of the, the characters that were involved on the scene when Jesus came to earth when he was born. How many of you have a nativity scene in your home? You put it up at Christmas. You've got Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, the angels the shepherds, and probably the wise men. And so today we are going to highlight the wise men. And if I were to title this message, it would be wise men still seek him. I didn't say you were a wise guy, but how many wise men and women do we have in here today? That you love Jesus with all of your heart, and it's the joy of your life to seek Him, to get to know Him better and better. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But let's just give you a little bit of background about these guys, the wise men. History will tell us, and so Scripture also points out, that the wise men were not actually present at the birth of Jesus. Most scholars agree that they came from Persia, which is modern-day Iraq. There weren't just three of them. Most likely there was a huge caravan of them. And it probably took up to two years for them to actually arrive where Jesus was. Now, a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but I remember many years ago that I heard a man of God say, you know, he was really fanatical about the fact that the wise men were not there when Jesus was born. Well, we understand that. So his point was they don't belong in the major scene. And I was sitting there, I was troubled by that because I thought, well, what? Do we have to put them out in the garage? You know, they're on the way. So they get credit for that. But the Bible wanted us to know that they were honoring the birth of Jesus. And there's only two groups of people that we know of that his birth was announced to. And it was the shepherds and it was the wise men. So I want to just say, keep those wise men right there front and center in the manger scene. They belong to have, they, they deserve to have a, a prominent place at the birth of Jesus. Amen. But I will also say this, that those wise men, from personal experience, they seem to be the last to show up at the birth of Jesus. So I wanted to start out by telling you a little bit of a, a funny story, true story, really happened to Pastor Mark and I. When we were first married, we uh, lived in a little town outside of Tulsa called Sepulpa, and, uh, Sepulpa Oklahoma, and we were pastoring a small little church. And getting, you know, getting to know each other, growing in ministry. And so Christmas time rolled around. And I said, you know, honey, I have been in Christmas programs from the time I can remember. Who knows? I might have been baby Jesus even. I've always been in the Christmas programs. My favorite was an angel because, you know, that part fit me so well. The angelic thing. But I played Mary, you know, all of them. So anyway, I said, we are going to have 
a Christmas program. Well, we had a really small church and there wasn't a, a lot of people to choose from. So I decided the best thing to do was that I would just narrate the Christmas program, a Christmas story. We have a handful of adults that were going to be our choir. And then we had enough kids. We rounded up to, you know, we had an angel, we had Mary and Joseph, and we had some shepherds. We got down to the wise men. And there were just two kids left. One was a little boy, I think he was 12, that he was probably our only convert, led him to the Lord in a park. And so I said, hey, can you make it on such and such night? You're going to be one of our wise men. Sure, he'd come. And then there was another little boy. His mom was in the church, and he was also about 12, I think. And let's just say that he had challenges. When I look back on it, I'm thinking... Man, I needed some lessons in casting here. I had a young man who'd probably never been to church and then another kid who was challenged and I appointed them to be wise men. And they were the only two kids left. We only had two wise men, not even three. So the day of the program came and and all I wanted to show all of my skills, how that I was such a perfect pastor's wife and I knew how this was done. So we got them all their little bathrobes. Anybody ever dress up in a bathrobe for a Christmas program? And then I thought I had these real good skills of taking a towel and rolling it. That's how we used to do it. Roll it around and then pin it in the back to make it look like, you know, they're coming from the Middle East somewhere. So I did that with the shepherds and with these two wise men. Well, as the night got, as we got ready for the program, all the other kids that were going to be Mary and Joseph and the shepherd, they were in a room up by the platform. They just had to walk across the platform. But I had this great idea. You know, the Bible says that wise men came from the east. So we had one room in the back of the sanctuary, be like where our foyer is. So I said, now you guys, I'm going to put you in that back room. No adult supervision. Second mistake. We didn't have any adults left to supervise them. So I'm like, all you have to do, I'm going to be reading and I'm going to get to this part and I'm going to say, the wise man came from afar. And when I say that, all you guys got to do, walk down the center aisle and come up on the platform and join the nativity scene. So everything's going great. I get to the part, reading it with a lot of And the wise men came from afar. No wise men. And the wise men came from afar. Third time. And the wise men came from afar. Fourth time. The wise men came from afar. And one of the young men stuck his head out the back door. His towel was crooked. Half of his face was covered. His robe looked like it had been, looked like they'd been wrestling to tell you the truth back there. And he yells out, Hey, you mean us? And I lost it. <laughs> they look like anything but wise men. They looked a mess. And the fact that he said, Hey, you mean us? Well, I'm the one facing them. The church happened to be packed that night. Because you know, people come to see their kids and their grandkids. And it was full. The only time our church was ever full in the pastoring there. They didn't see it. They didn't hear it. But I lost it. The look and the fact that he said, hey, you mean us? I lost it. My voice started fluctuating. I'm trying to continue reading. And this laughter that was on me spread over into our small choir, which included Pastor Mark and his good friend Larry, who was our worship leader. 
They could not get it together. I couldn't get it together. Those two were laughing so hard, they ended up on their knees, and they crawled off of the platform into the side Sunday school room. I kept trying to read it, and every time I'd think about it, I'd just start laughing again. But by the time we were done, the only person left singing in the choir was one of those wise men's little mother. Everybody else had exited because they couldn't hold it together. And the kids, the shepherds, and Angel, and Mary and Joseph, they were like looking at us like, you told us to hold it together. What's wrong with you? The kids held it together. I ended the night by saying, well, as you can see, the joy of Christmas is all over us. I mean, what can you do? But anyway... (laughs) That was our experience with the wise man came from afar. I never could read that the same again without that image branded in my thinking. But you know what? The wise man really did come from a distance. How about we read about their journey? That's probably a good idea, right? In Matthew chapter 2, we'll begin at verse 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born, see, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written of the prophets, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when, uh, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. Also, Well, we know that wasn't his intent. He wanted to kill him. Verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house... They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. So what we want to highlight today is what we can learn from these wise men. First of all, they were wise in their search for the King of Kings and the Lord 
of lords. It's significant that there were only two groups of people that, as far as we know, were shown supernatural sign that Jesus has was born. We already mentioned the shepherds. And we know as the shepherds were out watching the sheep, we can see it in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. I'll just quote that to you. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So in this announcement that Jesus was born King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the angels were told they didn't have to be afraid. Good. I mean, the shepherds, good tidings of great joy. And then the fact that this salvation, this message, this savior will be a savior for all People, And then, of course, the wise men. Now, the shepherds, they were Jewish guys. And, and probably the sheep that they were watching were sheep that were used in sacrifice in the temple. And I think that's significant of why God chose to let them, the shepherds that were watching over the sheep, that were sacrificed to cover the sins of the people. He let them know there's a savior that is born and no longer will you have to sacrifice these sheep and their blood cover your sins. The savior has been born that will remove and take away the sins of the world. So that's significant that he appeared to them through the angel. They were Jewish people. They were low in society. They were shepherds. And then the second group, the wise men, they came, like I said, probably from Persia. They weren't Jewish by birth or nationality, but they were probably very wealthy men. They were men of science. They'd been trained in studying the stars. And it's amazing to me how God got their attention. You know, he will do what he has to do to get people's attention. He appeared, this star, this phenomena in the heavens got their attention. And because of their education and their background, they were able to determine by that star that a king had been born. And the Bible, we just read it. They said the king of the Jews. I don't know how much knowledge they had of God or how much they knew about the promised Messiah. But just by looking at the heavens and the star, they had that revelation. The king of the Jews has been born. Everything about Jesus' birth is supernatural. And this sign to them is no different. Obviously, their hearts were hungry. They were seeking a king. They were seeking a Lord. They were seeking a savior. And aren't you thankful that the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5 that blessed are they who hunger and thirst. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What's going to happen? They shall be filled. Do you all remember when you were hungry and you were seeking, you were seeking to know the Savior. You had that longing on the inside of you to come in contact with the Prince of Peace. 
the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That's why you're sitting here today. Hallelujah. Your heart was hungry. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. That's what happened with these wise men. Obviously, they were hungry for truth. And God answers the cry of the hungry heart. How many of you in here today have been, you sought the king and you found him. Hallelujah. Jesus is your Lord. We're just going to highlight these today, so we won't spend a lot of time on any of them. But the second thing that we can observe and learn from the wise men is they followed the light. They saw a star, but it was light. The light of his entrance was shown to them in the heavens. The very heavens declared the great wonder that God has sent his son to redeem mankind. They followed the light. How many of you have experienced the light of the glorious gospel? Hallelujah. All of us, our journey to Jesus was different because we're all different. That's so, what's so awesome about Jesus. He's a personal Lord and Savior. If I were to ask for a testimony of how everybody in here came to Jesus, it would be different. No two paths in their search for Jesus are going to be exactly the same. But this is the truth. Every single one of us have to find our way to Jesus to enjoy true happiness, peace, and fulfillment. Follow the light, the light of the glorious gospel. And his name is Jesus. I like this translation we've been reading out of lately. It's called the Passion Translation. And in John chapter 8, verse 12 in the Passion, this is Jesus talking. Then Jesus said, I am the light to the world. And those who embrace me will experience life-giving light. And they will never walk in darkness. I love that phrase. Those who embrace me. Have you embraced Jesus with all of your heart? Is he your Lord? Well, then this says, if you embrace me, you're going to experience life-giving light. And they will never walk in darkness. Not only is Jesus the light of the world, but he is our light. And he wants to shine his light on our pathway every single day. We do not have to walk in darkness. And the good news is this, light always trumps darkness. There's plenty of darkness out there. There's plenty of darkness. You know, even today, I'm, you know what? I don't think I have ever and probably never will be the first one here ever to come into a dark sanctuary. <laughs> But I know for sure, probably was PT, when he came in this morning, it's dark in here. But when you flip on the light, 
The darkness cannot argue with light. The darkness can't start screaming and saying, no, no, I want it to stay dark in here. I'm not going to leave. I don't care how bright it is. No, just even lighten a flashlight. Darkness has no choice. It has to flee. Jesus is the light of the world. And I like this. I read this out of the Spirit-filled Bible. The Christian's joy is in knowing that the light is not only greater than darkness, but will also outlast the darkness. Darkness will never be eliminated by the light. Hallelujah. Darkness will never be able. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. That wasn't good. Darkness will never be able to eliminate the light. Because light always trumps darkness. And not only is Jesus the light of the world, but you and I are the light of the world. Let that light giving light shine bright through you. During this holiday season is a wonderful opportunity to let your light shine. I don't know what your situation may be, but you may be around family members. You may be around friends that remember the old you, that remember what you used to do and try to get you to step back in to that darkness. Say things like, ah, you know, it's the holidays. Go ahead. Let's party like we used to. Let's do a little bar hopping. Let's do a little joint smoking. I can't even say it, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Let alone do it. That's the only way to enjoy the holidays. Go ahead. Let me spike up that eggnog for you or whatever, you know. But we do not have to compromise to be, to enjoy the holidays. We don't have to compromise to fit in. And on the other hand, we don't have to get all bummed out when they're like, you know, come over here, let's do this, let's do that, and get a long, sad face. No, I don't do that anymore. I'm a Christian. Kind of a bummer, but, you know, I can't smoke that joint with you anymore because I'm saved. Or then, or take on this attitude of, be a Scrooge or the Grinch that stole Christmas and stand around very judgmental and condemning. <laughs> hmm. Wow. You guys are really sinners. Has anyone told you lately how bad you are? No. The way to be the light of the world is to be happy. How about just be happy in Jesus and let that light giving light shine through you. You know what that'll do? That'll make them want what you have. Be like the wise men. Follow the light. Let the light get in you and let the light shine through you. That's the best testimony you can ever share. I've heard this all my life. My dad and mom used to tell us this all the time. You know, not that we were out doing really bad things, except for my brothers. They were, Ricky. But anyway, your life 
is the only Bible some people will ever read. And how we live and how we conduct ourselves and how we walk in peace and how we walk in joy is the best way to bring people to Jesus. Don't go in prepared on Christmas Day with a 25-point message. Just go in there and shine, shine, shine with the love of God and they'll want what you have. Amen? The third thing that we can learn from these wise men is that they brought Jesus their best gifts. We read it. I don't, gold, frankincense, and like some little kid used to say, and Smurfs. Because I don't really know what Murph is either, but you know, it was good. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't need to go into the significance of each one of these gifts, but we know Every one of them was very valuable. And they brought Jesus, baby Jesus, their best. And we know, if you study it out, these gifts that they brought to little Jesus were so valuable that they helped to sustain Mary and Joseph while they were in exile in Egypt because they were warned not to go back where they were from. They had to go into Egypt until Herod had died. And so these gifts, these treasures were not only represented worship and their love to Jesus, but they also helped his family to live during that exile time. You never know the impact of our gifts. We never know whose life may be impacted, whose life may be changed in a simple act of giving our very best. Giving our very best. I want to encourage all of us this Christmas season and as we are closing out 2019, give Jesus your best. Your best worship. Your best service. Your very best financial gift. It all matters. And it does make a difference. Those wise men didn't know what their gifts, how it was going to impact the lives of Mary and Joseph. But God brought them there. Not only did he show them who the king was, but he brought them there to help in the plan and the purpose of them being able to raise Jesus. Helped his ministry. ministry. Hallelujah. Every seed that we sow, God honors it. And it has eternal weight and eternal value. Your prayer seeds live on forever and ever and ever. I dare say some of you are sitting here today serving Jesus because of prayer seeds of grandma or great grandma or somebody down your family tree you didn't even know. A seed is a precious thing. A seed of prayer, a seed of love, a seed of kindness, a seed of worship. Hallelujah. God receives every one of these. 
And it goes on and on and on and continues to impact lives. Aren't you thankful you can be a part of that? There is no greater joy than finding, loving, serving, and giving to Jesus of our time, talent, and treasures. Just like the wise man, bring him your very best. Give him your all. And then lastly, the wise men and us too, as we follow Jesus and we seek him, they experienced exceeding great joy when they found the Lord Jesus. I want to refer to Matthew chapter 2 again in verse 10, this time out of the passion. It says, and when they saw the star, They were ecstatic that they shouted and they celebrated with unrestrained joy. Unrestrained joy. If these people, these men were really dressed like we dress them up for the Christmas program with their crowns on and all of this stuff. Think about it. I mean, they look like kings. But this says when they found him. Hallelujah. They got ecstatic. They shouted. They danced. They celebrated with unrestrained joy. They were so happy. We have found him. Hallelujah. Can anybody in here shout with me today? Can you say, when I found him, I experienced ecstatic joy. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. I have found the King of Kings. I have found the Prince of Peace. I have found the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is joy. Jesus is the joy of our salvation. This says to me that these wise men had joy, unspeakable and full of glory when they found Jesus. Hallelujah. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Hallelujah. Have you received the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Then we ought to have some joy in our life. This is a season to be joyful, not be a grunt. Be joyful in Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. There's long to-do lists. There's all sorts of things that we have to deal with this time of year, but don't let it sap your joy. When they found him, they were exceedingly joyful. The shepherds, the message to them was, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. This is a time of year to be joyful. Hallelujah. That we know him, that we have found him. Glory be to God. The one who loves us unconditionally. I know that there may be some people here today.